Kansas City. It is Cody and Goal with you the next four hours. Getting set for Chiefs, Bills, Sunday night, divisional round weekend. Alice Gold, Cody Tap. We got JT producing the show again. Drew still under the weather. Hopefully he's back with us on Monday, but let him get right. Let him feel good. We got JT producing today for us. We got Brian Baldinger coming up in about a half hour at Baldy NFL. You probably see his tweets on X or Twitter, whatever we're calling it. And he does a great job explaining really why are the Chiefs having success in certain areas. Why is Rasheed Rice suddenly having more success? We'll, we'll get his thoughts on that and talk about the rest of the divisional round weekend. We got our guy Pete Sweeney joining us at 11 o'clock, and then it's a Club 610 Red Friday as well. So Harold Kuntz, Fox 4, going to join us in the 1 o'clock hour. His colleague, our friend Rob Collins, actually already in Buffalo. So Harold got to stay Standing by big piles in, of snow I'll, at the stadium. I'll say Harold got to stay in warm Kansas City compared to, to Buffalo this weekend based on the snow, right? I know today is freezing in Kansas City. But Buffalo got like three feet of snow. So at this point in time, and knowing where the weather is trending for the weekend, I think I think KC's the better spot to be. Did Rob bring his shovel? I don't know if if, if Rob Collins brought a shovel. I think I think they're they're He should be putting snow back into the stadium, making it harder oh. for people, you know? Don't help out Buffalo. Playing in their the playoffs. Fan, their this fans week. will find a way in the stadium one way or the other, you know? I mean they're they once just... again hiring people twenty dollars an hour to shovel out the the aisles and stuff at Highmark Stadium. They have they straight up bailed last week. Did you see how much snow was in those seats? Yeah, but everybody found their seat. And everybody just, was sitting eventually. They just bailed. You they gave the, up on that thing. You saw the game though. Like everybody was sitting there. Everybody found a seat eventually. At first, it was it was hilarious. That People Steelers were, fan like trudging through the middle of that aisle. That video that went viral. Oh that was man. Good. Oh, that man. was a good one. That was a good one. Our Red Fridays are brought to you by Comcare. Call or text nine eight eight for 24-7 mental health support. We'll get to the game in, in just a second, and what actually is a little scarier in this matchup? Two things that have been problematic all year for the Chiefs, but which one do you actually fear a little bit more? We'll, we'll get to that in just a little bit. But what happened after the show was what was expected when it came to the stadium front in Jackson County. All signs were pointing towards Frank White vetoing the measure that would have sent... Uh, it to the voters in April for the three eighth cent sales tax. So we vetoed it. That was expected. Nobody surprised. Sure. Four different Jackson County legislators have joined him in support of his veto. So where are we at Monday? Monday is the day. Monday is when the override vote has to occur. They need six votes to override the veto. If it does not happen, then we're talking about the fall potentially for an April ballot in Jackson County or Everything's on the table again, and maybe Kansas or whoever else starts to get involved on the Royals and Chiefs front. But that's where you're at. They say between now and Monday afternoon, they got to flip some votes. There are the four legislators between Jalen Anderson, Sean Smith, Megan Marshall, or Jeannie Lauer. One of them have to flip. I was told that Marshall and, and Lauer are pretty much hard no. So really between Jalen Anderson and Sean Smith, one of them has to flip to a yes by the time you get to Monday afternoon to change. I remember they were a yes. One week ago, well, they two were, of them. They one were, of them wasn't. They were a yes for ex, they were a yes for not doing the extension, not a yes necessarily for the ballot measure. I think we all kind of there's more details within it. That that's the explanation why they switched. They were yeah. a yes for for not ex, doing the extension per se. Yes, but also it, following the same guideline of this is the thing you had just voted for. 
and now it's coming out that way. And look, I, Frank White at least finally presented a list of things that he won. Now, I'll say some of this is kind of offensive because some of these things have already been publicly agreed upon, like the insurance premiums on the stadiums. Okay, they've already said that. And the, you know, and I and I get it. Like, I guess I hadn't heard about the stadium demolition, so maybe that's it. But honestly, it felt, again, very manipulative about him because he could have announced these things forever ago and said he waited till the very last minute because he wants this thing to come down to the very last minute because he thinks he can sway the vote his way. It once again feels very personal between the Royals and Frank White and Jackson County and all of this. And my stance has been, and I think this is, you know, I know I'm going to get a million tweets and a million texts from everybody, just like we did last night to be like, oh, you're paid by the Royals. You're a corporate shill just sending out their stuff. I don't want to go back through and play hours of radio, in which we've talked about my stances on publicly funded stadiums in general, this particular site stuff. The point is now I'm at the point that I think the Royals and Chiefs have given enough information that I think they'll give you the rest by April to bring this to a ballot measure and let you decide. Because if they don't give you the details in which that are still missing from both the Chiefs and the Royals, then you're going to vote no for it in April anyway, and you have that right. And should, by the way, if by April, the Chiefs and the Royals haven't cleared up a few of these small things. Yeah, look, the Frank White has been at the center of this. He's the Jackson County executive. But I want to point out, I mean, there, there are four legislators that are also joining him in support of his veto. So, it, you know, he is at, you know, he is in charge, right? He's the guy that gets all the heat for this, as he should. Uh, but there are also other legislators that are joining him what, for one reason or another in support of that. I think that's that's important to note. He is certainly influencing, I think, but they are also joining him in, in support of this. I'm with you also on for the first time we saw in that statement from Frank White, the unresolved issues. And you're right. There there are numerous ones that have already been publicly addressed. The parks tax revenue uh, reimbursement uh, the insurance uh, costs being handled by the teams. Those are two things that they have both, the Chiefs and Royals have publicly come out and said that they are willing to compromise on. And should the Royals have a site by now? Absolutely. It is ridiculous, right? It sure. is. It is ridiculous the Royals have not determined a site. But I think when you know April is the target date for a ballot measure, are, are we saying or are they saying that it, they don't believe that Jackson County residents are smart enough to decide? what is a good and isn't a good deal. Like that, that's where I'm at with you on this is yeah. More details need to continue to come out by the time April 2nd comes for those that have an opportunity to vote on this. That has to happen, including where the site is going to be for the Royals. That's a very fair complaint. Yep. But do you not trust that voters can make that decision if that information isn't available or if they don't like the site? Like that's basically to me what you're saying. You're saying that you don't believe that, what is it, 700,000 Jackson County residents, roughly, you're saying that you don't believe that they can make a smart decision. Oh, by the way, the same Jackson County executive that has screwed over these people via property tax. Yeah, you so couldn't handle your my, business before, th but th now you want to be in charge of this solo? So there are valid yeah. complaints about what information has not been fully agreed upon. You just went through a couple of them. Most notably, it's the site selection. But I think the biggest issue now for me is let the people decide. If not, you're saying you don't believe they're smart enough to make the correct vote or the smart vote, in your opinion, come April 2nd. And you're not even giving the 700,000 people an opportunity to do that. That's my issue. My issue is that now. I understand, again, all of the things that come with the real questions. And if the Chiefs and Royals, because I've told you, I don't, 
like we can you and I don't have to go back through or argue about um what is more or isn't or to what level they're agreeing to both teams have things to provide the chiefs need to provide a plan in my opinion for what they're generally going to do with the money do they need to tell me where every nut and bolt for the renovation is going to go no but they got to tell me what their plan for the renovation money is and the royals need to tell you where the location is and what the site's going to look like they have until April to figure that out. You do know that if they don't provide that for you, that Jackson County is not going to vote very favorably on this thing. They're going to have to provide you more answers, but I just don't like the idea in any real case of one elected official deciding it for everybody. Like that's kind of crazy. One guy's like, nah, I got this. You don't like this deal. Trust me. And you're like, but at the same time, like you said, he's done things against his own constituents during this time that were pretty ugly, well, there including were also, the property tax There were also stuff. just rumblings that for a long time, like if, if these are unresolved issues, there were rumblings for a long time that he wasn't willing to even meet with the teams until, you know, the uh-huh. last two months or so. So that's why it's it's tough to just all of a sudden uh, believe everything that is coming out of, of this statement as well, because for many, many months, uh, those even on the Jackson County Legislature publicly have come out like, hey, there's just meetings haven't been happening and now that, you know, more and more attorneys have gotten involved, actually, there's been a little bit more progress here recently. But whether you're a yes vote or a no vote is fine. That's not what we're even talking about. You may just be completely against the idea sure. of the stadium project. That's your decision to make. But you're not even being allowed to make that decision if this veto holds up on Monday. You're, you're, you're not being allowed to vote in April if, in fact, you do not get the six votes. The, uh, and, again, they need one of the four to flip, they being the Royals and Chiefs, if they want it on the ballot in April. The Chiefs and Royals combined statement was pretty simple. We respect the county executive's veto authority. We will continue working with the legislators to ensure the ordinance is on the April ballot so that Jackson County voters have the opportunity to decide on the extension of the current 3.8 cents sales tax. So who knows? We'll see, I guess, come Monday, Gold, because we're right back where we were before. It got vetoed. They don't have the votes as of today, according to most sourcing. But they're like... It's hard for this to not feel like a grudge. I'm sorry. I went back and read every article about Frank White when he left the Royals, and he's like, I'm done with them. I'm done with this organization. That's the things he was saying when this thing went down. And then it just so happens that he's the single biggest cog in what would be the single biggest move for both of these organizations in a really long time, one of which would be the Royals moving the stadium to downtown baseball, and he's the one holding it up. Hard not to feel personal. We'll have a chance to talk more about this on Monday, obviously, when, uh, when when the news ultimately happens, which is whether or not the veto gets overridden or not, and then everything opens back up um, from there. But let's talk about this game on Sunday night. It is a Red Friday in Kansas City, a much more positive end and the yeah. frustration around the stadium stuff. Looking at the, the two glaring issues throughout this season have been what leading the league in drops and then – the most penalized right tackle in football. Two of the biggest issues for this team all year. One of the most penalized right tackles in the history of football. What of the two, which of the two actually scares you more? Because I get why the drops are frustrating, but on the road, silent counts, crowd, I think an offense that's moving the ball more, what scares you more? I actually think it is that there's a false start or a holding penalty that takes a 15-yard gain down to the Buffalo 5, and it gets called back, and instead it's first and 20, you know, at the 30-yard line or whatever, just throw out a yardage line. Like, that's what scares me more than the drop. The reason why the drop's a little less concerning to me today than they had been, and I'm more concerned on the penalty end with the O-line, is because they have focused more of their target share now to their best players. Rice, not that he can't drop a football, but Rice... Kelsey had three drops, okay? Like, I still trust those two individuals more than earlier in the year when they were trying to make 
MVS and Kadarius Tony players that they were not. So for me, it's the O-line holding penalty, false start penalty that kills a drive that was going. That is actually more concerning than the one or two drops we probably are still going to see, let's just yeah. be honest with ourselves, on Sunday night. The drops concern me more. And the reason why is because I think the problem is is that they need points against Buffalo. I understand their defense. They don't need a bunch of points. I'm, this isn't the olden days, right? They don't have to score 35 against Buffalo in order to get a win. But the drops have been the one thing of what you've mentioned to me that still remains of their difference between moving the ball. They've overcome some of the offensive penalties to the point that from the 20 to the 20, they're pretty good at those things. Travis Kelsey's dropped a couple of balls in the end zone that could have been touchdowns instead. And I understand the Juwan Taylor penalty last week. That's a tough one for him to get. Okay, he got that block in the back penalty after someone shoved him in the back into the back of another player that led to a field goal. The drops concern me because that's where the Chiefs still have some real untapped scoring potential. McCall Hardman, MVS, I don't care which receiver you mentioned, Gold. If they were to just get one of those connections, we aren't talking about the Chiefs beating Miami by just 19. We're talking about the Chiefs beating Miami by 25, 27. Because there are touchdowns on the board in the long passing game that I think that they can get if they can just hold on to the football. I think specifically with those two, Kelsey's drops, they've been weirdly high all season. But I don't know. They didn't seem to stop him last week from being pretty effective. Yeah, he had throw it, three drops. If otherwise, he has a 100-yard game. I, I still think just the penalty, like when you consider this game is on the road, like I'm not worried about how Mahomes is going to handle the road atmosphere. Not at all, actually. That didn't concern but me. Jawan Taylor at right tackle add the noise into it. He was already the most penalized. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little worried about the false starts. Like, he has to be on his A game at right tackle. Donovan Smith, I'm not worried about the penalties other than just the normal, he's probably getting called for one holding call in the game. Like, that's just who he is. We had Ross Tucker on all the way back in, like, week two, and he just talked about his style of play. Like, sometimes he can get a little lazy. It's just, I mean, that was how Ross Tucker, Ross Tucker described it. Yeah, we should have heated that then. It was very true. Um, but in fairness, you know, um, it's the playoffs. You would anticipate less. He played one of his better games of the season in this last playoff game against he did. Miami. He did. So maybe he just needed the uh, proper motivation going into it. Look, I worry about both. We understand that the three things that have bitten the Chiefs all year are the two that we mentioned and turnovers, just straight up giving the ball away. That was actually what was so refreshing about that Miami game. They had the one turnover, dude, but it was way late. So for 98% of the game that mattered, the Chiefs were one up in the turnover differential. And guess what? They're up two and a half, three touchdowns on a team that did it. That's the other thing I don't understand about the national perspective of this game. Cause I continue to see the national perspective is the bills are more talented. They're going to win this football game because they're more talented. And I'm just like, they're not, they're just not more talented. I don't think that that's the case at all, but it's also just pretending like the bills don't have turnover problems of their own or talent deficiencies of their own and are capable of some of the same mistakes. The chiefs have had. They don't have a regular deep threat that comes across the board either with Kansas City. The biggest difference is that they probably get penalized less, and they're better in the red zone. They're right, third or fourth in the in red zone touchdown scoring, and the Chiefs are 15th or 16th. That is always the funniest thing about gold. As many times we talk about this offense, we always talk about them like they are 27th. But at worst, even in red zone scoring, we're like, God, they're miserable in the red zone. They're like league average. <laughs> they're like pretty normal. They're, it's bad for the Chiefs, and especially come postseason time, but it's not like they're bad in the red zone, if that makes sense. Yeah, the, the, the drop thing, you know, we, I think you asked me at times yesterday, like, is that something that can just change and could be solved? 
like we're, those were those were month the first month of the season conversations. Like the, we had Tony Gonzalez on the show for that Thursday night game a couple weeks into the season, and asked him the same question. Yeah. Then like, is it curable? And at the time, he said, "Well, yeah, it is. You can you just got to focus." I used to think we, that too. We, I mean, we're so far past that though. To me, no, the guys, the guys that are dropping passes are going to keep dropping passes. Okay, yeah. you know, just don't give them the opportunity. This is why, like, I, I like how they have scaled back. Hopefully, they're not tempted with Kadarius Tony, you know, MV, like th- those individuals that really were having the drop problems. Rasheed Rice actually has been better about it recently. Actually, Kel- for the light, yeah, for his knock, run, he's been on the ball a lot. Knock, knock on wood on that one, right? But he has been better. You know, Travis Kelsey, I don't suddenly think after dropping three games this past week that now he's just going to start dropping passes the rest of his career. You know what I mean? You are who you are for the most part. And and I think we kind of know who is more prone to drops and who isn't. I also know who is the most penalized offensive lineman or player in football over the last four years. And unfortunately, it's your right tackle. So that's a little more concerning for me. Hopefully neither one is an, an issue for them on Sunday night. How much do you like, I guess this, like people would say this about the chiefs too. How much do you really fear the bills pass rush? They are ranked right near the chiefs in sacks this year, but it's just like, it's all just like, they have like eight defensive linemen with three sacks. <laughs> they don't have, they have one big one, 10 and a half sacks, kind of like the chiefs do with Karloftis. And they got another one who's like nine sacks, kind of like Chris Jones. And then they got a bunch of guys, but theirs are all just like ancillary defensive linemen picking up one or two. The Chiefs are clearly manufactured. I know where they get their sacks. They get them all from the secondary and blitz schemes. You know the Chiefs have more unblocked pass rushers in the NFL this year than any other team? They send more guys to the quarterback who manage to just straight up not get blocked than anyone else this year. So I know that they can manufacture their pass rush. The Chiefs' interior offensive line is still their strength. It might be hard for the Bills to just rotate random defensive linemen in the interior and get the blitz. They're going to have to count on those those two yeah, guys. I mean, Ed Oliver can be a problem still. You know, I I, I trust the interior of the O-line like you were saying. It's Rousseau and Oliver, by the way, of the 10, 10 and a half and nine. Yeah, guys. no, Rousseau and Oliver are their best. Epinesa has been on IR for a while. He made an impact in the first matchup. I believe it was week 14. I think he was he still. He had the tipped ball yeah. interception. Yeah, he's done that twice against Mahomes in I his know. career. One, Yeah, it's just, yeah, he's a hell of a player. But luckily, he's not available. That's where, like, we were talking about the concern of tackles from a penalty perspective. But as you were saying, like, there's also this personnel grouping for the Bills is just far more capable of causing some problems. Like, we're just coming, like, if, if things were to not go well, I think they're not hard to figure out what they would be. I, I think the Chiefs are winning this game. But if you tell me that the Bills are getting pressure throughout the game, it would not stun me. I don't think it should stun you. The Dolphins didn't have the personnel to even, my opinion, challenge Jawan Taylor or Donovan Smith. This is a challenge for Jawan Taylor and for Donovan Smith. Doesn't mean they can't meet the moment, but I, I do think the personnel can actually cause some problems with this team versus what the Dolphins were even able to try. What's to funny do. is allowing pressure is okay um, to a point, uh, just as long as you don't get the penalties you talked about, the holding penalties specifically you talked about, because the Chiefs let up the least amount of sacks in the NFL, and the Bills allow the second least amount of sacks in the NFL. And that's not just because they're offensive lines. It's because they have quarterbacks who are better at sack avoidance than every other quarterback in the NFL. That's why. It's not just that these are the number one and number two offensive lines in the league. It's because both of those guys are good at sack avoidance. Our NFL playoff coverage on 610 Sports Radio brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eat, drink, scenic views. Here in about 10 minutes, we'll be joined by Brian Baldinger, our Odyssey NFL insider. He does a great job explaining why certain things are happening in the game. Like We all just say, man, Rasheed Rice is just doing a lot better. Well, he'll explain exactly why that is happening in the offense. Looking forward to that in just a little bit. There is one thing I, I do not get why it is still being pushed out by at least, really, not at least, just one 
one specific yeah, just one per- media one member, and it still is about Andy Reid's future. You guys remember we had a conversation, what, a week and a half ago? Something like that. About Mike Florio once again suggesting, like, hey, does anybody think Andy Reid might want to retire? He did that, and I thought we were done with that again for a yeah. little while. And then Andy said, Mike Florio yesterday started talking about it again. The one I'm watching is when the Chiefs season ends, is Andy Reid going to retire? Oh, wow. It, 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 he has said he's not thinking about it. And I guess the smart enough would say, well, there's nothing to think about if you've already decided you're going to do it. But I, I think there's reason to believe the Chiefs have the possibility on their radar screen. We'll find out when the season ends. You know, a lot of times, guy keeps his mouth shut until it's all said and done. He doesn't want to be the story. He doesn't want to be the focal point. He doesn't want it to be the issue. Although I could say at some level, the closer they get to the Super Bowl, if guys start thinking maybe Andy Reid would walk away, that gives them the extra little kick to let him walk out with a trophy. But we'll see. And could you imagine if that job opens up, that would instantly become the most coveted job in the sport with Mahomes? Ever since I caught wind of the possibility that the Chiefs are bracing for Reid leaving, not saying he will, but I think there's reason to believe the Chiefs have it on the radar screen. Mahomes, there's only one, and the Chiefs have him. That was Florial with, I believe that was Zach Gelb of, of CBS Sports Radio. He has brought this up multiple years in a row. I, I, don't, I, I don't know why he's insisted on suggesting this. I'm not telling you that Andy Reid's coaching for 10 more years, but also why do we continue to question him more than anybody? Nobody thinks Belichick's walking away. That dude's know. got what? Seven rings, eight, including the uh, defensive coordinator days or whatever. Like what are we going to become uh, the Falcons head coach next week? What, what's like, what, what are we doing here? I, at this point, honest to God, help me understand. I feel like he's just making it up. Like he's just straight up making it up. And obviously the answer is clicks, right? He just wants people, but like, this isn't a radio interview. He's not even getting a click for it. Why is this the rumor he has decided to hold on to so firm? By the way, he is going to take the ugliest victory lap on this thing. Like six years from now when Andy Reid actually retires, he'll be like, I told you, been talking about this guy retiring. I I was the first one who mentioned, he'd be like, that was five years ago. He's going to play this guitar every single, like, I mean, he's going to play this string every single year, apparently, until that's the case. And it's incredibly frustrating, I would think, if you're Andy Reid. Andy Reid stood at a podium was asked about this straight up right after it was announced that like, you know, Pete Carroll was stepping down and some of the, and Saban was retiring. And he's like, I know you're asking cause I'm old. I'm not that old. Yes. That was and then his just, way of, I think shutting it down. And, and Flor- the one thing Florio is correct about, it's true. Andy probably is not the coach that's saying, Oh, by the way, I'm retiring in three weeks or when the, like, he's not going to give people a heads up. I don't dispute no, that. Be gone. I, I don't dispute that, but he is younger than Belichick. Unless we have said consistently, unless there is something, unfortunately that were to crop up, that would health-wise prevent him, why would he step away? This is what this dude has done his entire life. He's got the best quarterback. The same answer you give for why people would covet the Chiefs job is the same reason why Andy <laughs> Reid covets the current yeah. job he has. It's a pretty good job. You know, like you Patrick Mahomes. I, I, I he's real good. I, I don't get it. I really don't, man. And he's the, he truly is like the only one. It's not like this is coming from five other national people. He is the only I, one. In a weird way, I kind of understood it when, like, when there was personal stuff going on or sure. when he was having off-season surgeries and it looked like he could be- Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Barely walk on the sideline. That's not even the year for that. That, that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not even this year. Like, he came in like he's practically clicking his heels together walking into training camp. The other part is like, and I understand, like, coaches are different. I wouldn't be surprised five years from now if Sean McVay hangs it up. Look, maybe he's re-energized. But there have been coaches who have flirted with that or just seem like they have, like, a mixed of interests. I've always pointed this out about Andy Reid that I never understand why the rumors circle him. Like, there he is the most football guy coach ever. Can you even, in like, Andy Reid's not going to the booth. Andy right. Reid's just going to, one day he'll just stop coaching football and then you'll like see it. You'll see a photo of him, and he's like 82 years old, and he's not coaching football, and he's just like looking at like a backyard football game in an alley, trying to give tips. This is all he does, man. It's coach football. Up next, let's get right into this Chiefs Bills game again, though, with a national perspective that has nothing to do about coaching future, but what the Chiefs are going to do to try to beat the Buffalo Bills. Brian Baldinger, Odyssey NFL Insider, is going to join us next here on Cody and Gold. A little bit of news in the first game of the weekend. There were some reports the last couple days that maybe Mark Andrews actually had a chance to tie in for the Ravens to play against the Texans. Ian Rappaport just a couple minutes ago saying the Ravens are not expected to activate tight end Mark Andrews, who's been on IR for quite some time. Isaiah Likely, the tight end, is filled in actually very nicely, but looks like at least one more week. If the Ravens win this weekend, maybe Mark Andrews is available for an AFC title game. But uh, significant player, significant news after there were a lot of people speculating that maybe, you know what, maybe he actually ends up playing this weekend. But no, Mark Andrews not going to play. I also think this late into the season, especially in that AFC title game, this should be, Chiefs fans should like this. It's going to be hard to just instantly roll a guy back into football shape. Now, they're giving him an extra week, but if it is to be the Chiefs and Ravens next week, You'll be getting first week Mark Andrews, not knock the rust off Mark Andrews. Could be a little bit of an importance, but again, their offense is good with or and without him. Done they have not missed him as much as you and I and a lot of other people thought they would. I'll admit. I thought they'd miss him more. I thought their offense would slip more, but you're right. Isaiah likely has made a, a big difference for them. We are efforting Brian Baldinger. If we're able to get him on, we will go right out to him, but uh, JT is working on that, so we'll see. We're expected to have Odyssey NFL insider Brian Baldy. You know, if it were uh, Drew, he'd already have him on the phone. Oh, I geez, can't. Don't say that. Really, That's, JT? Wow, okay. Okay. Really? Just, that <laughs> was the sound of the bus completely backing over JT, who's filling he in knows for I'm Drew. I'm Gosh, Drew man, today. that's the second time in two days. It is, you did it yesterday. Was it yesterday. There was a similar... Remember, uh, because oh, it was uh, the... Uh, we're talking oh, for trash, trash of the day. Yeah, trash of the day. Mm, yeah. Good point. Good point. You're not an intern anymore, man. This is a mistake Listen, for yeah, you. I, I can't help you today. I've got I've got three voicemail opportunities. <laughs> so I'm I'm texting him right now. So there okay, we go. Cool. All right. Sounds good. We'll we'll hopefully have him. You know the the other thing uh, while we're waiting for for Brian to join us though when you when you think about the bigger names in this game and who could step up there sometimes in some of these playoff games is the unknown player. I would argue the Bills a couple years ago, even though they, they ended up losing, but when Gabe Davis had four, four touchdowns, that was not a name that anybody nope. was talking about heading into the game. Who do you think that player could be on either side? Not that they're going to have four touchdowns, but wow, that guy had the biggest play of the game or just went off. I think Shope's probably right for the Bills. It's Khalil Shakir. That's the guy that you're like, if he has a sneaky good game, presents a problem for you if you're the Chiefs where you're like, oh man, what did we do? How do we like get to this? For the Chiefs, it's been the same all year on offense. It is one of the guys who can catch a deep ball for the first time all season, feeling seemingly, 
which is MVS or McCole Hardman, where at least they're there. But on defense, I, I'll give you a different name because I think that that's where it would be for the Chiefs. They've got a great defense, and you know the players that are great for them. Trent McDuffie, Legereus Sneed, uh, Chris Jones, George Karloftis. It's, it's, a, it's Charles Amenehu. He yesterday, when he was talking to Aaron Ladd, said, I've got seven sacks in 11 games. There are guys in 17 games this year that don't have seven sacks. I'm a star, or I'm playing like a star. I don't remember the exact quote. He's right. That's the player that the Bills will forget about because they're worried about all the names we just mentioned. Sneed, McDuffie, Chris Jones, Karloftis. And then all of a sudden, in comes Charles Aminahue to be the, the as I told you, I don't know, this is like eight weeks ago? When did we have this conversation? You said the Frank Clark, you think. Yeah, he's the he's Frank playing, Clark. The difference is he's been playing at this level before the playoffs started, too. You know, like It's not even just like yeah. he flipped a switch last week. He's been consistent. I think that's the name. I almost am at a point now where I'm kind of expecting him. Like, that's how good he's been playing. So I hear you on a who I was going to go defensive line as well. I was thinking Mike Dana on the defensive line a little bit, where he's been a little quieter here recently, but I still think he's underrated to where he could be a guy that comes with a big-time sack or just a big-time big time play uh, on the defense. On the offensive side, I'll just stick with the name you asked me about before the Dolphins game for the entire playoff run. It's Michael Hartman. I mean, he. we know they're giving him opportunity, whether it is connecting on a deep ball or I still think on a you know quick touch pass that he takes around for 15 yards or whatever. I, that's my answer on offense. Of oh, Outside of the, the big three or four on offense, who could end up with a game-changing play in a positive way? <laughs> McCole Hartman. I don't need to talk about the negative stuff. Who could end up, it hurt you in a negative way? It's well, pretty obvious. And in fairness, some of those guys are, less, are playing a lot less. Like Richie James and McCole Hardman and... MVS, they've been doing uh, MVS less, but like those two, like the two we mentioned, they really hurt the team. They just haven't done things for the team. You know, that's different. Like Kadarius Tony has actively hurt this team more than he's helped them. Like he's had more big negative yeah, plays. Hartman than and Richie plays. James haven't hurt them. I, I mean, that's it, what I mean. MVS has. It, yeah, sorry, I was trying it, it, to yeah. separate him. A little. I, MVS and Tony clearly have. Um, Richie James ha- hasn't, fortunately, and, and McCole Hardman hasn't played enough to even really. <laughs> have an opportunity to do that. And even when he's been used, that's why, I mean, that's why when we've talked about the the snaps and, and who should be involved in this game more so other than Rice, Kelsey, Pacheco, McCall Hartman and Richie James, I'm, I'm good with them because I, I actually trust that they're not going to screw it up. And I know typically it's a terrible way to approach a game. Like don't, as a player, you can't go to a game and say, Hey, I'm trying to not screw things up. Right. Cause that's, that's just a terrible mindset to be in as a fan and from the outside, I think you can go into a game and say, hey, I trust this player not to screw it up. The player can never have that mindset of I'm just not trying to screw things up. But, but you know, I, I also don't need this great redemption story for Kadarius Tony in, in no, this I'm game. Good. You know, like I don't even play at all. I, I know he's been practicing. I actually hope he's not active. And I know normally you would say you want explosive players available. I'm sorry. We, we, we've seen it too much this year. We're way past that. We're way past that. Sean McDermott, by the way, he just joined okay. WGR, our sister station in Buffalo. He did confirm safety Taylor Rapp, wide receiver Gabe Davis, corner Christian Binford, and linebacker Bale Inspector are all out okay. versus the Chiefs. Not a single one of those guys is going to find a way. There were some limited participants in some of that group out of practice, but none of them will be out or none of them will be available injuries, man. for the Chiefs. That is massive. You heard If you missed the interview yesterday with Mina Kimes, who joined the show in the noon hour, if you wanted to go back to the podcast page. She said that that's one of the biggest reasons why she's picking the Chiefs to beat Buffalo this upcoming weekend is because those injuries matter for Buffalo. That's what we're talking about these key players is making sure some surprising player goal doesn't sneak up on you for Buffalo is important. 
Gabe Davis got them a couple of times. I know he hasn't had a good year, man. And I know he had zero catches in that first game. But the previous, like, two or three matchups against the Chiefs, Gabe Davis kind of blew up. I also just think it's different. They don't give up big-time plays. They don't let one wide receiver bury them. If you have a good game against the Chiefs, what is it? Seven for 75 and a score? Is that a big game against Kansas City secondary these days? I mean, number one receivers, that that is, like, one of the biggest performance. In, in any receiver... I, you know, the, the tight ends are probably going to be the area that the, the Bills now, how they're utilizing Kincaid is probably more where they could have success against Kansas City more. So like, I don't think Stephon Diggs is, you know, getting eight catches, as you were saying, for 75, 80 yards. They also just haven't taken as many deep shots with Diggs this year. And they, they've changed their offensive philosophy. And, and yeah, you trust Snead and what he's going to be able to do. But I, I think it's more that. In the red zone, can you find a way to prevent Kincaid getting, you know, a 15-yard touchdown reception? Dalton Kincaid is is a much different player, I would argue, even now than what he was when they played in Week 14. But for someone that really breaks this stuff down and analyzes it, let's go out to the 610 hotline and our Odyssey NFL insider, Brian Baldinger. You can follow him on Twitter if you don't already, at Baldy NFL. And our insider calls are brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin, too. Baldy, it's great to have you on the show again. We're all fired up, obviously, in KC for this big showdown in Buffalo. And I wanted to start with why Rasheed Rice, frankly, has become the type of player that he's become the last couple of weeks. You had a great breakdown on even Travis Kelsey this past week being a big reason why things looked easy for him. Um, I, you know, I think, you know, Patrick got to meet Rasheed um, in Dallas this offseason. Maybe it was a year before. I mean, he's an SMU kid. Patrick lives at Dallas. They were throwing... They were thrown together um, before the draft. And so I, I don't know if Patrick influenced the Chiefs to draft or she or, but he liked him. He liked him all the way back then, his size, his hands, uh, how he catches the ball with his hands and not his body. So I think there was a lot of things there even before the draft. And then it's the question of, you know, just uh, finding your place. And right now, I mean, he's the go-to guy. And so I think the trust began early on before the draft and it has just continued. When you look at what they do offensively, I think this is one of the things we really liked about it is we were asking the question yesterday, hey, Kelsey or Rice, has Rice somehow become a bigger asset in the offense than Kelsey from a yardage perspective? And our thought is that, no, Kelsey just makes all that stuff plausible for Rice. Is that the way you see it? He takes a lot of attention. He draws a lot of attention. And so, uh, you know, Patrick's job is to find the open receiver. Uh, That's his favorite receiver. And so if they want to do things, uh, whether it's banging Travis off the line or bracketing him or all this stuff that, you know, teams try to do to him, it, it's going to open things up. And so I think that in some cases, Travis can be like a really good decoy. Uh, but Rishi is, is winning on his own too. And so I don't think that's going to change. I mean, I think Patrick's going to lean on him. I think there's a trust factor there. And he's catching the ball as opposed to a lot of the other guys. In the first matchup back in week 14 when the Chiefs lost to the Bills, Josh Allen had 10 carries for 32 yards. The Chiefs didn't have Drew Tranquil available. They just had gotten Nick Bolton back. How do you go about trying to limit Josh Allen, who is just so effective as a runner as much as a passer? Well, they had a great game plan. I mean, it started with the game plan. So it it involved two things. One, um, they wanted to do everything they could to keep Josh Allen in the pocket and not let him escape. And so, I mean, you see times when, you know, uh, when, when Stone Cold Jones is rushing Connor McDermott, he can beat him easily if he wants to. He's one-on-one, there's no help. But he's content on just pushing the pocket 
and just keeping Josh Allen in front of him. And when then Josh Allen kind of break out, then Chris gets off his block, makes a tackle. But they also did a, th- a lot of three-man rush, and they spied Josh Allen with Willie Gay. And it was really effective. Um, you know, 32 yards, yes, he had the six-yard touchdown run, kind of a, a, a scrum there, a rugby scrum to get him in the end zone. But they really limited him. And then they also, Chamari got an interception off of him being chased by Willie Gay as he broke the pocket, and he threw it late over the middle, across his body, and Chamari picked him off. He never saw him. And so they got a turnover, and they limited the runs. Now, whether Spags can do something similar like that this week remains to be seen because I'm sure Buffalo is going to work on it and anticipate it. But I would expect some other type of scheme to try and bottle Josh up and not do what he just did to Pittsburgh and to Miami the week before. On the flip side for the Bills' defense, it just got announced. Sean McDermott said that Gabe Davis, Taylor Rapp, Christian Binford, Balin Specter are all out. And in addition to that, they don't know whether or not Terrell Bernard is going to play. He's a, they're going to see how he looks on Saturday. I know the Chiefs haven't taken advantage of a lot of defenses this year, Brian, but do they have the personnel to slow down Kansas City? Do they have enough available players to slow them down offensively? Well, the scheme, I mean, you're still going to have Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, you know, at the safety combination that really prevent you from getting a lot of deep shots. But, you know, I mean, if A.J. Klein is starting at, you know, inside linebacker, um, you know, he was just on his way to Key West for vacation right. when he got called out. You know, I mean, so we're not talking about guys that are in game shape. I mean, he's played in the scheme. He knows what the calls are and all that stuff. But we're not we're not looking at, you know, an elite group right now. I mean, if Kair Elam is out there a corner, I expect the, the Chiefs to wear him out uh, or whoever is out there. I, I think Rasul Douglas will be back. That will help Buffalo. But, yes, I mean, it's been an you know, a, a real attrition rate on that side of the ball. And so you can't take anything for granted. You still got to go execute. And there's still Gregory Rousseau and Ed Oliver and guys coming after you. So, um, but look, it's, it's not the same defense that they saw in week 14. It's certainly uh, a weakened group right now. We're talking to Brian Baldinger at Baldy NFL or Odyssey NFL Insider, where calls are brought to you by Old Spice Gentlemen's Blend Body Wash, providing exfoliation plus 24-7 moisturization because men have skin too. Baldy, the, the Chiefs offensively, we feel like here, have got to figure out who they finally are, tr- not trying to be maybe who they were in 2022 or 2021, but utilizing what is a really good interior of the offensive line. And they ran the ball 24 times with Isaiah Pacheco. I don't know if they get to that number again against Buffalo, but what are you seeing in this running scheme for Kansas City right now and how effective do you think it could be against Buffalo? Well, I mean, I think it could be real effective. I remember talking to Creed and Trey uh, at the OL Masterminds this summer uh, in Dallas, and I was just asking what, what Andy said to him at halftime of the Super Bowl. And, um, you know, those guys just started lighting up and it goes, and he said, we're going to run the ball in the second half. And those guys just got happy, you know, and they did. They ran the ball right down the Eagles throats and, you know, never got knocked off the field once. They have the ability to run, to be a good power running football team. Uh, those three guys inside, Tooney and, and Creed and Trey, I mean, they're excellent. They're excellent working together. They're powerful people. Um, they're good run blockers. They get to the second level. And I'm not taking anything away from Juwan or why, uh, you know, but I think this is, this is what they can be if they want to. And they got, um, you know, I mean, look, Isaiah, uh, he's just a special player. Uh, I don't know how long Isaiah can be special for as hard as he plays and as many hits as he takes and as much contact as he breaks. But right now he's a special player. 
And so I don't, I don't think they have any reservations at carving Buffalo up inside and, you know, establishing that part of the offense. We love the interior of the Chiefs offensive line, too. Do you think their tackles can hold up against the Bills? Like, that is the one part of the Bills defense right now that still scares me from a matchup perspective because the Chiefs tackle play has been, I, I'll, I'll call it inconsistent. Well, it hasn't been good. It's a, you know, it's not a strength to this team. But, you know, if you get pressure off the edge, you know, nobody is better at maneuvering the pocket than Patrick Mahomes. If, if he has pressure up the middle, that affects every quarterback. Uh, I think he can navigate and negotiate, at, you know, somebody that gets speed off the edge like they have. Um, I don't think it bothers him at all. His movement is the best in the league. Uh, pocket awareness is the best in the league. And so I don't think it's uh, – it's a, I mean, look, it, 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 if it was better, I think the Chiefs offense would be better. But it is where it's at right now. And so it's not a strength. Um, you got a rookie on one side. you got a guy who struggled all year. On the other side, it's not what they had a year ago. So, you know, it's, uh, it's still full speed ahead. Nobody's uh, going to feel sorry for them if, if they struggle on the edge against Rousseau and some of the guys that they have, A.J. Epinesa, whoever it is, coming off the edge. We know the Chiefs can win in Buffalo Sunday night, but do you think the Chiefs are coming away with a win and heading to their sixth straight AFC title game? Yeah, I do. I think they're going to win. I think defensively they're built. I mean, I, I talked to Andy Reid. In October, I think, this year. And I said, for the first time in 25 years, Andy, I'm talking about your defense more than I'm talking about your offense. And it's been the best part of this team all year. And I think they're going to give Buffalo a lot of fits. They have everything it takes to defend Buffalo. And so, you know, you, you, you're not, the defense is going to win the game by itself. But I think that it's the best the Chiefs defense has been. And uh, I know they're a little susceptible uh, in the running game. We've got to see if they can stop, you know, James Cook and – and what Josh can do. So that's going to be something to watch. But I think this just adds to Patrick Mahomes' growing folklore about what kind of player he is, that, you know, he goes on the road in his first playoff game and wins against a team that is all they want to do is take down the Chiefs. I, I think it's just going to add to his uh, uh, legacy that he's building. Yeah, we cannot wait for Sunday night. It definitely has uh... – been the game that I know Bills fans have been waiting for, a chance to get Mahomes in their backyard, and uh, we all love it here. There's that, that setup as well. So appreciate the insight as always. Thank you so much for the time. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Enjoy the game this weekend. There you go. That is Brian Balding, our Odyssey NFL insider, at Baldy NFL on Twitter, and our NFL insider calls are brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin, too. As you mentioned with him and asked him about just the – the, the deficiencies now on that defense for the Bills. Yeah, the scheme is the same. They got Micah Hyde and all that. And, but like a lot of players. But right when we were starting to talk with him, Sean McDermott, as we pointed out, if you're just joining us again, mentioned that Taylor Rapp, their, their talented safety, Gabe Davis, Christian Binford, uh, the linebacker, Balen Spector, all out. I don't know if he's related to our boss or not. We'll have to ask back a little bit later. But all out for the game against the Chiefs. And then we'll still see. Like, it's not 100% that um, – uh, Terrell Bernard. Yeah, Bernard, so they're going to find out tomorrow Saturday. whether yeah. or not he's available. Stephon Diggs was limited in practice today. Now, Sean McDermott made it clear he was going to be available, but to what degree? The It might be the, like at the end of the day, that might be the biggest conversation coming out of Buffalo. If they end up losing this game to the Chiefs is, oh, what could have been? Because I get it. They're That's, missing yeah. a lot of talent, which is fine for the Chiefs. And for the longest time, Gold, I'll be honest. I think I even said this going into the Miami game just last week. Are the Chiefs at any point, have they ever at any point this year been equipped to take advantage of a bad defense? I don't know how many times for how many weeks we went and be like, this will be the week they fix it because this defense is bad and they'll take advantage. 
Last week, they actually took advantage of a team that was hurt on defense because the same thing you mentioned to Baldy, they know who they are now. It took them 18 weeks. I don't know why, but they know who they are. They don't have any linebackers. You can run with Pacheco. They don't have any linebackers. Get the ball to Kelsey. Their corners are hurt. Fine. Exploit that with Rasheed Rice. Those are the only three players you need to worry about in the matchup game, and they know that now for the first time all year. I think you, you couple the injuries that now we know as at least taken four players out for the game for Buffalo, if not another one that could still be added for Saturday. And then the rest aspect. Even these guys that are game-time decisions, even if, let's say all the game-time decisions, the two in a play, two days less rest. I know you're the home team. I know you didn't yeah. have to hop on a plane and you're, st- you're st- if you, you had know, those rest, are any of these guys going to available? Right. Like, but they, they don't have the rest and they're injured and the chiefs. I do think if there was ever a time this season to feel you know really good about them, this is probably the best you're feeling. Yeah. It doesn't guarantee a win. I do think the chiefs are going to end up winning this game as we talk more and more throughout the week. And that we have, but right now, Seeing the offense, I think, figure a few things out, and the defense has just been great all year. Like, this is the best you feel. This is the best you feel, and it's why suddenly here we are, and we could be talking on Monday once again about them uh, being a game away from a Super Bowl. That, that's where they could be by the end of Sunday night. What I like about the way this game is going, because they might be without any linebackers and all that, is it's another game where there's no excuse not to run the ball. Yes. Like that should be your logical game plan. Just like it was last week where you're like, Hey, it does make a lot of sense for us to be running at Buffalo right now. They're just as bad as Kansas city and rushing yards allowed against. And now they got no linebackers left and it's going to be cold and it's going to be windy. Like it just lines up two times in a row where it's not like a good excuse not to run the ball where Andy would like talk himself out of it. It is logical. It makes sense. It's part of the formula. You should probably do it. You and I were talking about betting props we like from the Isaiah Pacheco department. My favorite bet, I talked about it on that betting show Wednesday night uh, that we do presented by Hollywood Casino here on 610. And Pacheco over 14 and a half rush attempts is my favorite bet of the entire game, more than anything else. And it's because what you just said there about the mismatch and also they're coming off a game in which they gave Pacheco the ball 24 times. And he's rushed the ball even this year over 14 times 10 times. So like, and we know they've leaned into the run more over the last month anyway. So he's 18 or uh, over for the last six games. So I, I think it's absolutely part of the equation. Do I think Andy's going to give the ball to 24 times of Pacheco? Probably I, not. I mean, I would be fine with that. I don't know if he's going to do that. Probably not. But I mean, there's no excuse why it can't be over 15 and not just for my bet, but like truly, like you look at the game, like that is an area you should have success do I think they're going to run immediately? Who knows? They might do what they did with the Dolphins. Well, they passed twice they, in a row. They passed, yeah, the first three plays, three plays didn't yeah. they? Because they had the third and ten. Because they, yeah, so it, yeah. they passed the first three plays of the game before they ran the ball. That might happen again because that's just Andy setting it up and all. That's fine, no problem with that. I'm not saying they got to run the ball six times on the opening drive, although I think that could work. He should get it 18 to 22 times on the ground, but before you throw him a pass or anything outside of that, he should handle the ball 18 to 22 times and actually test their linebacker play from a short crosser route, from a run perspective, and find out what you're up against. Red Fridays here on 610, brought to you by ComCare. Call or text 988 for 24-7 mental health support. What about the injury front for the Chiefs? We talked about about the Bills there. We'll talk with Pete Sweeney, our Chiefs insider, who's been at the facility all week long. How do the Chiefs look there, and where does he see the Chiefs having the biggest advantage on Sunday night? 